What's up, guys? Super excited to let you know that we're now releasing transcripts of the podcast. It's linked in the podcast description. You can also find it on LinkedIn at Danny Langloss in our documents section. If you're not following us on LinkedIn, please do. We're releasing leadership content daily, really driving a ton of engagement. It's our main platform. If you haven't already for the podcast, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Please give us a rating or a review. That really helps us reach more people organically. Thank you very much. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I'm joined by an icon in the leadership space. I don't idolize many people, but Kevin Cruz has been an idol, somebody I've tried to emulate and somebody that's really had a huge impact on my leadership journey and my ability to help and create impact for other people. He's a New York Times bestselling author and the modern day father of employee engagement. I've given him that title. He is truly an expert in that field. Uh, in his pursuit of the American dream, he started his first company, he was just 22 years old, uh, worked around the clock, lived out of a one-room office. He went to the YMCA to, to have to shower. Uh, about a year later, things, things didn't go as he planned. He found himself deeply in debt, got out of that. Um, but after he discovered the power of wholehearted leadership and extreme productivity, Kevin went on to build and sell several multi-million dollar technology companies, winning both Inc. 500, Best Place to Work Awards along the way, he, as I say, he's the best-selling author of several books, including New York Times bestseller, We, How to Increase Product Performance and Profits Through Full Engagement, Employee Engagement 2.0, and 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management. He's a Forbes leadership columnist. If you follow Forbes and, and go there, if you don't, you've got to. Um, he's writing, publishing articles all the time. It was named the top 100 thought leaders by Trust Across America. Currently serves as the founder and CEO of LeadX, an online learning platform that provides free leadership development for millions of people around the world. Kevin Cruz, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Danny, it's great to uh, be here. I feel like uh, if there's ever a Wikipedia entry on me, they'll just take that intro and 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 put it down there. I kind of covered all the bases. You dig, you dug deep on that. <laughs> uh, it, it means so much to like. I'm so excited. I love this show, but to have somebody who's been a role model, somebody I've idolized, who's an icon in the leadership space, like yourself, to come on and that that I can continue to learn from, and that our listeners can. It's, it's really, really such an honor. Kevin, do you want to talk about your company, LeadX, and what you're doing? Because, you know, you were out and you still do the keynotes and you still have the podcast and you're writing articles. But I think there's been a shift from like, hey, it's just good enough to send people to training to how do we really make that stick? And I think that's a big part of what LeadX is. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it, it's the, the LeadX, which is the, the newest company, but I say new, it's four years old at this point. You know, as you mentioned, I had started and sold uh, three others or was the co-founder of three other uh, uh, leadership development HR tech companies. And I had sold the last one was about a dozen years ago. My kids were little and uh, I took some time off. Um, and that was really when I was able to go deeper into the research of engagement and spend more time writing and speaking about it. Um, it was sort of the... Um, 
<laughs> the employee engagement whisper because you know I'm not a, I'm not an academic I'm not a consultant I don't have a PhD I just discovered you know my my businesses failed until I discovered the simple formula of employee engagement and then they took off so I just want to I'm excited about it. I want to share it with everyone um, but once an entrepreneur I think always an entrepreneur and as my kids got older and you know took off for college or at least could drive themselves around without needing dad. Uh, I I did realize that like I even though life was pretty good and stress free, I wasn't feeling like I was living um, on purpose or with purpose. And when I really thought about, um, you know, what is a what is a what is a dream so big that like I will fail unless I get a lot of help? <laughs> um, you know, it's something I'm not going to do myself. Yeah, you know, I came up with this. This, this vision to spark the next 100 million leaders around the world. And you can't, I'm never going to reach 100 million people through my books or my articles or certainly not through talks. And so the idea was, let's create like a, a, a mobile app. You know, imagine if you could take a great leadership coach, a great executive coach, digitize the coach and, and, release it out through the internet so anyone around the world could download it, you know, on their Android phone, their, their iPhone and, um, and get, you know, libraries of training and, and, and books and webinars and, and have micro coaching experiences and nudges and assessments. And so we did that. And so Danny, like most people don't realize, I kind of went, I went all Tony Stark on this thing. Like we took two years, I put $4 million into it so far to build this app and it's just free, you know, so people can go on to the, to the, their favorite app store, download it, take some assessments and get these behavioral nudges, these micro coaching plans, video content, and it's all free. And, um, and it's been great. You know, we, we, we started four years ago, we launched it two years ago and uh, I can't tell you how close we are to reaching hundred million people around the world. I'm sure we're not that close, uh, just yet, but I'm in this for the long haul. And um, while I, I love writing books, I love uh, you know getting in front of, of live audiences. This really is my is my passion. Is like how do we help people one on one, but at scale? And we never would have been able to do this before smartphones. We never would have been able to do this before AI. I mean, we've got IBM Watson running behind the engine. You know, there's just all this technology that makes behavior change at scale possible. So it's, you know, I've been doing this a long time, but I've never been more excited about it than I, than I am now. That, that is exciting. So in my, so as I've researched that, and I, this was something I saw some time ago, you know, I'm following you on social media and, and seeing the different yeah. things you're doing, but you take personality assessment, right. And based on your personality, based on strengths and weaknesses, like the alerts you get, from this program are custom to that. If, if I have trouble with, you know, recognizing people and overtly displaying appreciation, I'm going to get alerts and notifications to remind me to do that. Do I understand it right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it's great to go right to those examples. So, you know, we have built in a, a personality assessment uh, called the big five. We have another one called DISC. Um, we support uh, uh, most of the other major assessments. So if you already are, if you already know you're, you're like a strengths finder, you've done strengths finder, you could put that into the system and it triggers these weekly nudges that will remind you uh, of, of how to leverage your personality as a, as a strength, but also like the shadow side. So you know, most people understand the, the, the concept of you know, being an introvert, being an extrovert. 
I'm a massive introvert, massive, massive introvert. And so, you know, the, the platform, we call, we call it Coach Amanda, <laughs> the AI coach. So it's not unusual for me to get a reminder like, um, hey, Kevin, you know, with your extreme introversion, you're probably a great listener, but don't forget to assert your ideas in meetings. So, you know, you, you have an influence on the conversation or it might be a week later. Hey, don't forget to, to emerge from your office every now and then, Kevin. You know, you probably like that as an introvert, but people need to see and hear from you in person. So there's tips based on your personality and it learns uh, um, as you explore the platform. So, you know, there's, there's micro coaching plans. And as you said, you know, one of the key drivers of employee engagement is recognition. Uh, and it's so easy to do. And yet so many high performing individuals are really bad at it. You know, we're, we're type A, we're just charging, we're all about getting things done. And we kind of forget to, to catch people doing things right and to acknowledge uh, their efforts. But if all of a sudden your phone buzzes and you pick it up and look at it, because that's what we all do, and it's Coach Amanda saying, hey, if you want to get better at recognition, why don't you start this week's team meeting by recognizing people who deserve it? You know, the whole idea is wow. let's make let's make habits around great leadership practices. You know, if I'm if I'm focusing on recognition, the app Coach Amanda might buzz me next week and say, schedule 15 minutes on your calendar this Friday to jot out a few thank you notes. And it, it, it's just these micro habits. It's not like we need to reinvent. It's not like there's some genius idea. It's these behavioral nudges. If you want to be a good leader, and again, if you don't, okay, then you're not going to do any of this stuff. <laughs> but let's assume you want to be a good leader. Let's assume you want to engage your team. Having an executive coach just give you these nudges, simple things you can do with your team on the job, five minutes this week, 10 minutes next week, can have a, a huge impact. And, we're, and we've been looking, I mean, it's, it's pretty dramatic in 90 days. You know, we, we see about usually like a 75% increase in leadership behaviors. And that's from 360 surveys. It's other people judging you, not just yourself. You know, we see like a 33% improvement in employee engagement scores once people start getting, you know, some robot coaching. And so, hey, and we're the first to say, Danny, like if you can afford a great human executive coach, like everybody should have a coach. It's great. But not everybody can afford one. Not everybody's company offers one. So if you can't give yourself a great human executive coach, um, then, hey, you know, watch download a robot executive coach and get these tips and see, see if it's, uh, if it's helpful. I, what I love about this is that it's not just, Hey, Kevin, you know, remember to focus on recognition. It's giving you ideas about how to do it. It's, it's all about applying it, right? It's things to do. Uh, there's plenty to learn on there. We got book summaries, videos, but that's not how you change. The knowledge, I mean, it's, it's the dreaded knowing doing gap. You know, we all read the books. We all watch the webinars. We all see the videos. We've all heard how to be a great leader. But again, just because we know how to do it doesn't mean we're actually doing it. So getting these uh, behavioral nudges as little triggers, as little cues of simple things to do, you know, can make a big difference. So let's, so on that, let's, let's transition into what you are known for. I talk about, sure. you know, the, the modern day founder of employee engagement and, yeah. you know, why, why is 
what, what caused you to dive so deep into this concept of employee engagement? Because you, you didn't just learn about it or say, mm-hmm. what is it? You've done a ton of research that backs up everything you do. Yeah, it, it, but I started from a place of being a horrible leader and, and not knowing anything about this. So in my 20s, when I was young and dumb, I mean, I, my companies didn't do well and, and I had high turnover and I was a micromanager. I started to get a clue though. And it was, uh, I was about 30 years old. I so, sold my company and uh, to a bigger company and Conexa uh, became the company that was known as Conexa. And there was a group at Conexa that they had all come out of Gallup. So they were steeped in the Gallup Q12 employee engagement stuff. These are all organizational psychologists. When I first started hearing about this stuff, I mean, I was skeptical. Uh, They talk about personality as a predictor of performance. That sounded like in questions to ask in interviews to get at that sounded like voodoo to me. Um, And then they talked about, you know, the, the, the leadership behaviors that can totally move the needle on how engaged uh, people are. Uh, the fact that, now, you know, this is, this is a bitter pill, but we all have to swallow it as leaders that, you know, 70% of the variance in employee engagement has to do with who your manager is. So as much as you want to blame your CEO or the HR department or bad benefits or whatever it is, it, you know, a, a great leader can take tough circumstances and rally a team during tough times, during battles, during war, during layoffs, whatever it might be. And, but, but the opposite is true. If you're, a, if you're a poor leader, even in the best of times, people aren't going to want to work for you. you know, the old saying, you, know, you, you join a company, but you leave a boss, you know, a bad boss. So I started learning about this stuff in my 30s, and I was a little skeptical, but I had the benefit of, of like, these were my colleagues, these were my partners, teaching me, telling me, measuring me, you know, weekly, monthly, quarterly. And the more I focused on engagement, the faster my, my companies grew. Uh, and we started winning best place to work awards. We started, you know, having hyper growth. And so that's when I'm like, geez, I wish I knew about this when I was 22. Um, and what I found in Danny, I think this is why, you know, uh, we both are admirers of each other's work. what we write about, it's it's practical. So you can buy a ton of books on employee engagement right now. And a lot of them are written for other psychologists or at least other professional HR professionals. I'm a busy manager. I'm, I'm running a company here, right? So just boil it down into the need to know action steps, make it simple, make it fun. And so I think that's where I had some success was I, I didn't understand it. I got some deep coaching and I'm like, aha, I now get it. And let me, let me, you know, be the translator to, to mere mortals to, to implement it. I love that. And that's such a huge deal, right? Because you get, there's a lot of good information from the researchers and the scholars, but you read it and you're like, what does this mean? And to be able to take it and break it down easily. So real quick, because it's crazy. So I talked about engagement employee engagement and the difference between that and morale and satisfaction and happiness with my police department leadership team for 10 years. And when it came time, when I got promoted to city manager and we had to hire a police chief, we did that in a very process like, and had a lot of people there, part of the interviews and that, but, but I asked, what's the difference between employee engagement and morale and what's more important. And there were two of five or six people that were able to tell me. And so 
because that was drilled all the time and the surprise and the, the realization. So for our listeners, can you just give a high level? What's the difference between like good morale, satisfaction, yeah. happiness, and, and high levels of employee engagement? Yeah, well, I, I, I want to give you my, my simple answer, but I'd love to hear like the examples that were given by the candidates or how you saw it, you know, when you were uh, full-time uh, police, because to me, it, it, and, and this is where I think a lot of, lot of organizational leaders like dismiss engagement. They think that we're talking about employee satisfaction. Oh, an employee satisfaction survey. Oh, keeping people satisfied being satisfied is not enough, right? So I can be satisfied and show up at work right on time and I take my breaks and I leave. But first of all, if I'm just satisfied, I'm not, I'm not proactively coming to you with new ideas or solving problems. I'm gonna do what you tell me to do, but I'm not gonna have any initiative. And worse, if I'm just satisfied and I get a job offer that pays 10% more you know, in one, one town over, I'm gonna go take it. So there's higher turnover. A lot of people think this is a um, uh, Kevin Cruz just wants everyone to be happy. It's all about, you know, riding scooters in the hallways in these tech companies or beer on Friday. And I'm not against beer or scooters, but (laughs) there's no science that shows that that leads to engagement. You can have happy employees who aren't working on behalf of the organization. They're they're playing games on their phone. They're happy because there's not a lot of work going on. Engagement is emotional commitment to the organization and the organization's goals. Simply put, I care about the organization and its goals. And when you care, of course, you're you're gonna you, you know you're gonna wake up eager to go to go to work. You're gonna probably show up a little earlier than you have to. You might work a little harder than anyone else is asking you to. If you've got a good idea, you're gonna share. You see a problem, you're gonna try to solve it. Uh, you, if you're an engaged salesperson you're going to work just as hard on a Friday afternoon as you would on a Monday. You're a disengaged salesperson. You're telling your boss, you're entertaining clients and you're, you know, on the back nine or something. So um, you really see it in the behaviors when you're engaged, you're giving that discretionary effort and you're not going to leave for another job, even if the pay is a little bit higher, maybe if it's a lot higher, but that's, you're going to be tied to the organization. But Danny, tell me, what did you see? you know, on your teams in the past, people who were maybe satisfied versus engaged? One of the, one of the examples that immediately comes to mind is about a year ago, we hired a new team member uh, at City Hall and she is dynamic, great personality, smart. And right away when we brought her in, we, we trained her, but we challenged her and then we appreciated her. And so this is during COVID, right? And so now we're, we're applying for 70 grants on behalf of businesses. Every grant is 100 pages. It's, it's a very red tape bureaucratic process. And then we're applying for million dollar grants for a 27 acre development. We're doing multiple ones of those and a $2 million grant on fast track money for streets and infrastructure. And so she's thrown right into the heat of this with this team right? This wasn't her responsibility alone, but she played a major role. And then we, we, we gave away $400,000 to local businesses, help get them through COVID. And she ran that. And just, we truly appreciate our people. We truly care about them. Well, she comes into the office of our finance director one day when I was gone and, and let the finance director know that the, the place that she'd worked for prior to coming to us had called her and offered her a $10,000 raise. 
And she said, I'm not coming and telling you this because I want money. I'm fine with what I've agreed to. I'm telling you this that because I told them no, because I've never felt so appreciated and, and so accepted and, and, and so challenged at any place that I've ever been. And so I just wanted to let you know that. And, and, and between you and Danny, you've told me how much you appreciated me and thanked me more than that's happened in my entire career. It's and amazing. she stayed. It's amazing. I tell, you, I tell you what, she stayed. She didn't ask for anything. And a few months later at budget time, we gave her another five grand. Um, and, and, and we've got her on a pathway, a progression um, to one day potentially be you know, uh, a department head in, in this area. So that's the Fantastic. story, something that really resonates with me and the power of it. And, and that, and that, that's a great example where, look, I, I want everyone, uh, I want to, you know, I care about engagement because I, you know, life is short. We're human. Like let's create great workplaces. I do care about all that, but I'm also always telling the budget holders there is like the soft stuff leads to hard results. You reduce turnover, you reduce all those recruiting costs, you keep your best people longer. What, whatever weird job is out there, engagement can make a difference in the, the behaviors. I, Danny, I, uh, I once did a training for every uh, federal prison warden in America. <laughs> <laughs> and so part of the workshops and stuff I was doing, I, I often ask like, okay, how do you see engagement show up in your workplace? Well, I had never uh, trained, you know, done training with, with uh, prison wardens before. And it, I mean, it was an education for me, you know, the, the, the answers came flying. It was, oh, uh, my most engaged correction officer finds more contraband than any other. <laughs> you know, we, this one have found twice the, the, the mobile phones, you know, the illegal mobile phones and other, like everybody can, can see it. Like once they know what it really is, they realize like, oh yeah, the engage, you look at engage versus disengage in any job class, you can see measurable results. It's just incredible. It is. It's absolutely incredible. So we talk about, recognition being a key component yeah. of engagement. What are the other key components, Kevin? If we're going to focus on a few things that really drive engagement, what, what are those? Yeah. And, and, and Danny, what, what I'm probably most known for is, so the, the work I did over a, a dozen years ago, based on the, the Connexa database, world's largest uh, employee engagement survey, 10 million workers, over hundred countries. And the top three drivers were growth, recognition, and trust. Growth, correct. We all want to be growing and developing. Um, we all want that recognition. We want to feel like you know our, our hard work is being recognized. And trust. There's two two facets to trust. One is, you know, the the traditional like I trust my manager is is you know has integrity and is is honest. Um, but there's also it's like I it's future vision, future confidence. So I trust that the future is bright. I trust that our leadership will take us to a bright future. And so, and I talk about growth recognition trust GRT is like great leaders focus on growth recognition and trust. And those three things are still um, incredibly important. Uh, but I will add that. I updated that survey in May of last year because, uh, you know, 2020 being the year of, of uh, as I always say, pandemic and protest and politics. And in May, you know, most people had been already sent home. And I was curious, like, so what's engaging people 
today? Is there, is there a difference? And um, I'm, I'm looking off to the side monitor here. So trust is still the number one item in terms of, you know, uh, my manager articulates the organization's goals in a way that makes me feel confident. In fact, it's higher than ever before, as you would expect at a time when we're wondering like, oh my gosh, the world has gone crazy. Like, is my job safe? Is my company safe? When am I going back to work? So the more that leaders could talk about um, a compelling, you know, uh, future vision, the better. Um, uh, Interestingly, though, the career progression, the growth part, uh, it's still a big factor, but it's dropped. Like out of a list of 12, it's in the bottom third. Recognition is two. Things that have popped up uh, one is psychological safety. Now that's yeah. been an important, well-known one and always high on the list. You know, f- we want to feel free to speak our mind and, at work. And again, I think with everything that was going on last year, organizations, and let's just say it's not even the organization, it's the leaders, leaders who could create a climate on their team, a safe space to talk about whether it's our our uh, uh, tough feelings from pandemic or, or horrible feelings about what's going on, you, you know, in terms of uh, uh, social justice, whatever it is, boy, if I can bring that side to myself, to my team, to my manager, man, am I engaged. So that went super high. And then there's a surprising one. <laughs> and we're doing this, uh, you know, through, through Zoom. For the first time in 25 years, what made the top 10 is meeting efficiency. My manager's meetings are a productive use of the team's time. Now that people would complain about means they care about means, but it wasn't a big driver of employee engagement. That last year, it was the fifth highest driver of employee engagement. So, you know, my manager's having us get on too many Zooms or not enough Zooms or the Zooms are too long or whatever it is. You know, my kids are running around in the background or whatever is happening. All of a sudden, that meeting efficiency became a top five indicator of engagement. And um, so it's been fun to sort of continue the research. Growth recognition and trust are still top 10 drivers. That trust is still the number one driver. But some, some psychological safety and meetings have popped up as interesting new drivers of engagement. And uh, I'd like to, you know, later this year, we'll, we'll do another study and see if they're still holding their own or if they're dropping back down in the list. That, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. One of the things I wrote down, um, and, and funny is this gets on YouTube and people watch it. I take a lot of notes when I interview my guests because there's so many, so much great information and, and staying up the conversation. But I think of the psychological safety, people bringing their whole selves to work and this concept of 21st century leadership leading the whole person. And before I talked to a lot of leaders, they just weren't comfortable you know, saying, Hey, Kevin, you know, how are the kids doing? Hey, how, you know, how are things going with Susie? You know, whatever the case may be. So I know that's personal where it's not right to ask. No, we need to, to, to lead the whole person for people to bring their whole selves in and have permission to do that. We've got to be able to have conversations that aren't limited to what happens in the four walls of the company. Yeah. And when we do, it says to people, I care about you you're important, you're valuable, you, you belong here, right? And, and those are two powerful drivers, I think, of one human connection, but then commitment to an organization. And so the more we understand the whole person and what they're bringing with them, the more we can help them, 
right? And, and the better off we are to lead them individually to help them reach their full potential and for them to help our, our company reach their full potential. Yeah, and I, I think, it, and what's hard about this from, from um, you know, the, just the, my passion for and the, the train, it, it's, it's tough to train this, right? So it's, you can, you can give people models, tell people they should let people open up. You should ask about how you how you feel and how you're doing. Um, but, it, you know, a lot of people aren't comfortable doing it. And I guess maybe it goes back to some of the, the personality stuff and self-awareness. But I'm also curious, um, you know, the, from, from the outside, you know, the stereotype of, of a military professional, of a professional police officer is, is going to be one where it's like tough and sh- don't show weakness, don't show vulnerability. Um, I mean, how much of that is true and how much of that is just, you know, not true? Well, it's, it's true. It's true, but it's culture driven, right? So as a culture, we have to not just say, but show it's okay. I'll give you an example. So we had a few years ago, we had a, a quasi standoff situation that, that became the murder. A father killed his son and then shot himself. And so within our culture, you know, emotional health and wellness is, is really important, mental health. And so we come back and we do a debrief and we bring in a professional who's earned the trust and respect of the officers and we're sitting around and one of the lieutenants begins to talk about it and the impact and what he saw and he begins to cry and he begins to share how he's feeling. And th- this is the culture that we've created. And because this, this lieutenant, somebody who's looked at as a tough guy, as a great leader, as a cop's cop can do this, now the other cops can do it. Um, and we've made, you know, the first responder resiliency program we've created, the peer support groups, these uh, officer wellness uh, checks that we do with, um, with, with, with the coaches, the resiliency coaches. It's just become part of, of who we are and what it is we do. And so that's opened it up. But in a lot of places, those things aren't happening, um, which is why, you know, police suicide is, is so high and, and, the, and, and incidences of PTSD and duty-related PTSD are so high. So it's really about intentionally creating that culture. And if we can do that at a police department with top A personalities who are supposed to be tough and macho, then, then this, it, I found it's really easy to do in cultures and environments where that isn't the case. But it sounds like the work happened long before, say, that incident, as an example. Like, that's a great example of, of someone so respected being able to open up and, and show emotion. But you were doing all those things as just part of your culture always, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like you said, you know, you put the well in before you need to drink the water. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you do that. But with, with, with people who, aren't in that kind of job and don't see death and people in their worst situations and are constantly yelled at or fought with, you know, when you're, when we're regular people, like the job I do now, it becomes a lot easier to create that environment. I mean, really, you know, all we got to do is care, be curious. You know, we, we just, we got to learn some skills that honestly are, are easy to learn and practice if we do them like listening, right? Like empathy and compassion you know, and not listening to speak, listen to be able to understand and then, you know, respond with whatever the appropriate thing is or, or not to respond if it's just about listening and creating that environment. 
And, and I think when we do that, and then we demonstrate it ourselves, right? We're not this Superman that, that doesn't have kryptonite. We're human beings too. We struggle too. We have bad days too. And the more authentic and vulnerable we can be as leaders and model that, that's being created. Because I believe, and it says it in every podcast intro, individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. The right. top leader is the, the, the thermostat that sets that. And, and somebody's always watching, your microphone is always on. And so when we do these really good behaviors, right, that is so contagious within the organization. That's my belief, at least. Well, and, and hopefully that um, <laughs> I have a lot of hope for the generations that are coming, you know, uh, behind us. I, I think that, you know, we were at that crossover where certainly my father, certainly my grandfather, it was business was more command, uh, command and control. And, and people would stay in a company for 20, 30, 40, however many years. And so not showing a lot of emotion, not having to work on the, the people side of things kind of worked. But now everything's flexible teams. It's less about your direct boss and it's, you know, the, the matrix of influence. And hopefully people see like, okay, you, you, the, the, the soft stuff is how you advance your career. The, the, the power skills, soft skills, power skills uh, on, the, on the team is what's going to make the team perform better. And hopefully people realize, again, it's not a disconnect. It's not like you have to choose, you know, hardcore business results or being human. You know, it's one drives the other these days. Yeah, you know, caring leadership servant leadership, empathetic leadership, isn't soft on leadership. It's smart on leadership. Yeah, that's great. When you look at people that have the highest levels of loyalty, commitment, dedication, that's what drives those things. And especially now, you know, we, you know, as leaders, we can say, well, when I came up, we didn't have to do that. And if you're happy with the result that creates, then do that. But if you're not, the only person that you can blame for what your result is, is yourself. Because we need to understand it's not that the Gen X or the millennials or the Gen Z are um, these, these weak people that don't have work ethic, right? That, that are disrespectful. No, they, they've grown up a different way and there's different things that motivate them, that drive loyalty, that drive commitment. You know, one of the big differences is, you know, a millennial or a Gen Z isn't going to respect me because I'm the city manager, right? They believe they have to earn my respect, but I have to earn their respect. So this like blanket respect for titles doesn't, doesn't mean anything. And that's fine. I have no problem with that because I'm going to lead by example and I want to earn their respect regardless of any title. So we just have to adjust as leaders. And if we don't, we don't get the result we want. We got high turnover and we got all these problems. Look in the mirror because there's one person to blame. It's you. Because there's one person, if you're the top leader, especially, that can make the changes, and that's you. So, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Look in the mirror. <laughs> Look in the mirror, right? Look in the mirror. So, no, I think that's I think that's a ton of fun. One of the things, and we're closing up on on the time we have today. So, I want to ask you about this because, you know, we you've said it, alluded to it several times. You know, I, I've asked a question on my social media stuff, like, what's more important? you know, people are results, people are profits. And I believe you take care of your people, they take care of the results, they take care of the profits. But if somebody's still listening to this, trying to decide, yeah, I know he said it, it was smart on leadership, not soft. 
but still, how's it how's it impact productivity? How's it impact right. creativity? How's it drive profits? How's it drive customer service? And, and there's a something you talked about before that team called the employee profit chain. Yeah, you want to work through that quick, and it, and that might have been updated as well since I've seen it. Yeah, no, it's 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 still valid, and and that model, the employee engagement profit chain, you know, was inspired. Uh, by by something called the the customer service profit chain, you know this <laughs> at one time radical idea that you know the better customer service is, you know the the more people are going to buy and come back and refer you, etc. But what drives customer service? So you go back a step, and it's employee engagement. So again, you think about employee engagement, emotional commitment, people who care about work. You know they're gonna they're going to give you more effort. They're going to provide better service uh, to customers. Quality is going to improve. Safety is going to improve. They're going to stay in their jobs longer. All these things drive sales and profits and sales and profits eventually are going to increase shareholder value. And the research, there's a bunch of studies out there. You know, companies in the top quartile of employee engagement outperform those in the bottom in every hardcore business metric. The so-called soft stuff, which I now like is the smart stuff, <laughs> leads to hardcore business results. And I think the, um, you know, the case, my favorite case is, is Doug Conant, you know, many years ago at this point, what took over as the CEO of Campbell Soup. And Campbell Soup was ready to, they, they, they like lost half their share price, sales were declining. I mean, who wants Campbell Soup anymore? Uh, so they bring in Doug to kind of turn the place around and he later said, the board kind of said, like, pretty up this place, we're going to sell it, like to Progresso or somebody, like knowing thought they were going to, he was going to save it. And um, Doug, you know, after <laughs> some listening tours and things, he says, okay, here's my plan, everybody. Here's how I'm going to turn around Campbell's suit. And he says, uh, um, if you want to win in the marketplace, you have to first win in the workplace. I'm making employee engagement number one. And of course, at the time, everyone thought he was crazy. Like, shouldn't you just shut, fire a bunch of people and shut down some divisions? Like, isn't that what you should be doing? And, um, and he, but he believed in the employee engagement profit chain. He knew that if you can get engaged employees, they will provide better service, better productivity, better sales, all those things. Now, it took him a while because, you know, Campbell Soup, giant, giant Fortune 500 company, it took them like two years just to get their engagement scores to average. They were so bad. Um, and then it was like a few more years to get above average. And then he had um, a point where after he had told the frontline managers, like, hey, engagement counts. We're going to measure you on it. We're going to give you training on it. We're going to give you coaching on it. We're going to give you warnings on it. But after six years, if you're still not moving the needle on employee engagement, okay, you're not a bad person, but you're probably not a great people leader, at least not here. So we're going to move you into another role here or out of the company. And we're going to promote people who are showing that they can engage other people. They can do growth, recognition, and trust. And when he did that, boom, it like tripled like the next, the next measurement period. And they went from the worst employee engagement in the Fortune 500 to the highest engagement in about a decade. And so there's so much great stuff there. Oh, and the stock price though, like also like tripled or something outperformed. So this soft, smart stuff can take some time, but if you take it seriously, you talk about it, you make it one of your core priorities. You know, they had like four things, but engagement was always one of them. You hold people accountable for it. You hold your leaders accountable for it. Then 
you will move, you will shape culture and that culture will shape those business results. So that whole employee engagement profit chain, uh, it, again, it works in any kind of organization. The soft stuff leads, leads to hard business results. So much incredible information in this, in this short podcast. I mean, just gold, 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 gold. Kevin, do you have a call to action for people listening today? Is there any call to action you want to, you want to put out there? I'm, I'll do a direct one and a soft one. So my call to action is just, um, you know, that, that life is, make, is about making an impact, not making an income. And as we've been talking about, the more impact, the more value that we can all provide to others, and just because it's the right thing to do, well, it's going to eventually lead in some way to come back to us. You know, whether you call that karma or uh, soft stuff leads to hard results or whatever it is. Focus. I want everyone to go focus on on making great impact, helping helping others. The specific call to action for me is: uh, open up your smartphone, uh, go to your favorite app store, uh, search on LeadX, L-E-A-D-X, download the free app, and and have fun uh, with it, and see if uh, it doesn't it doesn't help you to to lead your teams a little bit better. Awesome. Yeah. That th- this app and this this system that you have is absolute gold. Um, and cool. so, yeah, we, we would definitely encourage people to, to do that as well. Kevin, where can people find you? Where's the best place to find you? Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I love to connect it. So I'm on all the social media places. You can just email me, Kevin at leadx.org, O-R-G. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, I'm ever just search Kevin Cruz, K-R-U-S-E. Excellent. And so we're going to have links within the podcast description to our listeners to be able to connect with Kevin. Um, definitely start following him on LinkedIn. He's releasing content all the time, the LeadX podcast, download the app. Um, you go and, and search YouTube, there's videos and speaking and things he's done. He's an incredible, he's a phenomenal speaker. So Kevin Cruz, thank you so much for, for coming on and joining us today. Thanks, Dan. It's been fun. It has been, it has been, and to have the ability to spend this time with, with somebody who's impacted my career so much has just been incredible. So huge, huge focus of our conversation today on employee engagement, the, the three main factors, which have been updated now, but, you know, growth, recognition, and trust. Trust is still number one, that trust your leader, that immediate supervisor, but trust the future, trust that there's safety here and there's promise uh, and, and there's room to go there, you know, growth, mastery, like how am I in an environment where I can get better every day, where I can reach my full potential, have my impact recognition, how are we appreciating people? And from the most recent study, psychological safety, can I bring my full self to work? Can I truly share my ideas and be innovative? Is it safe to do that in this environment? And then meeting efficiency. This is a big one for me. I I stopped taking every meeting I'm asked for now. Um, Is it a productive use of our time? You know, Kevin, your call to action, life is about impact, not income. What difference can we make? It really is. The more we give, the the more we receive, that there's so much more um, to, to wrap up from this. But the week we release this will be, you know, posted all week and breaking this down through LinkedIn and our other social social media platforms. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Kevin Cruz. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please smash that subscribe button so you another miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating and review so we can grow more organically. We did just pass 10,000 downloads. Uh, next step's going to be 100,000. Then we're going to a million. We're in it for the long haul. And remember, always be committed to excellence.